Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Can you tell we're excited to have people in the room? I kind of feel like, uh, you know how a dog sits at the window and watches for people? That's kind of how all the team is feeling here this morning, because we've been here the last six weeks by ourselves. We may have gone a little bit crazy, I don't know, but we're just like, ah, people are here, people are here. And I think that's what the little flub on the first song was all about. The band's just so excited, you know, just how to get it out of them, and then they found their flow. But man, worship was good, y'all. Thanks, team. That was so good. But welcome to No Limits. So thankful you're joining us here at church. Or if you're joining us online, just want to say, hey, glad you're there online joining us as well. If you're new here, welcome. Really glad you're, you're here with us. We're continuing a series today called This Is That. And through the series, what I'm hoping to do is get you comfortable with some things about Christianity that you might be uncomfortable with. So that's what we're after. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cade. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. Here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom. We want to help people discover their purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. You may have found this out, though. It's a journey. You don't get there overnight, and you actually need people to help you along that journey. And that's why we meet every Sunday. If you wondered, like, why does church meet every Sunday? That's why. And that's also why we meet in our small groups throughout the week, because we need each other. For the goal that we're reaching for, which is found in Ephesians 3.20. And what that says is all glory to God, because he's able, through his mighty power working within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God wants to blow your mind with what he can accomplish through your life. But the way to that is got to let his power work in you. And you need people around you to remind you of that, because you won't be trying to get off in your own power like the rest of us. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, it's time to take the limits off. Now, we talk a lot here at No Limits about getting closer to God, but I've realized that there's some roadblocks along the way. Anybody else? So as you draw closer to God, you're, you're kind of going to run into places where you get stuck because you don't understand something about God. And in this series, we're going to break through those areas. And in the process, we're going to get closer to God. So our theme verse for this series actually comes from a time when people were making fun of Christianity and they were actually making fun of God because they didn't understand what God was doing. This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out just seven days after Jesus ascended into heaven. You'd think that everybody would be really excited about the Holy Spirit showing up, but not everybody was. Take a look at how some of them responded in Acts 2, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And maybe you've been here yourself, like something out of the norm happened at church, and you're sitting there thinking like, what the heck is going on at church right now? And then you went home and you made fun of it with all your friends and family. And I'm not getting on to you. I wanted to show you the scripture to let you know that you're not alone in those thoughts. And actually, you're going to make fun of anything you don't understand. That's just a natural human response. So it's not that you don't believe God. It's just that you don't understand. And it's actually a lot easier to make fun of something than it is to understand something. But through this series, I'm going to respond like Peter did. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. But this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this wasn't what they thought it was. They thought that people were drunk. But no, these people were not drunk. 
This is that, you know, the truth that you find in the prophet Joel. So that's what we're looking at. This, you may have thought it was something, but let's look in the scripture and find out what it really is. And this stuff happens to us all the time. Like someone says something that kind of messes with you, gets you upset, and you think that they had bad intentions when they didn't have bad intentions at all. Anybody? Husband and wife? Has that ever happened to you guys, or is it just me and Beth? And we do the same thing, though, with God, with things in the Bible. We have an idea about this thing in the Bible, an idea. We're kind of confused about it, but once you, like, really understand it, your whole perspective shifts. Like, maybe that happened with you last week about the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, my gosh, I thought Holy Spirit was for crazy churches, but it turns out he's my friend. And I hope you had that perspective shift last week. But we want that to happen through this entire series. Like I said, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. And if that's something that seems mysterious to you, or if it's just something that you struggle with, or something that you've been running from, I encourage you to go on our website and listen to that message last week. You can listen from the comfort of your own home. Like you could do it privately. You could wait till your kids and your spouse go to bed, and you can go listen to it in the quiet and learn about the Holy Spirit. But today we're going to talk about something that's not really controversial. It's just misunderstood. We think that it's one thing but it's really something else. We're going to talk about prayer. And the reason I know that prayer is often misunderstood is because we often use it as our last resort instead of our first response. And the reason, I mean, if we understood prayer, you know, we would pray first. Before I answer that email, I pray first. Before I post that on Facebook, I don't post that on Facebook. I pray first. (laughs) And here's the simple truth we all need to get a hold of. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. So to get the right idea about prayer, I'm actually going to walk you through one chapter in the Bible. Normally, we would look at several different books and several different chapters. But if you've studied the Bible, you found that there's a lot of value in just looking at like one chapter or one book of the Bible and really digging into it and getting everything you can out of it. So Philippians chapter 4 is going to be where we're going. The book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. He wanted to be preaching somewhere, but he got arrested. So he's like, I guess I'll write these guys a letter since I can't preach right now. So how cool is that? Because he was in prison, wrote that letter. Now we get to hear the message still today that Paul wrote when he was in prison. So there Paul was sitting in prison. And we're not talking about the prisons that we have today where you can watch TV all day. Like he was, he was probably underground, no windows. It was probably a damp environment. There's a good chance he was bleeding. He was definitely sore because he took a beating before he went into prison and he was hungry. Most of us wouldn't survive a day where Paul was. We'd be griping and crying and and asking the Lord, just take me now, bring me home. We'd be done. But but what does Paul say while he's sitting in prison? Well, in Philippians 4, 4, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Obviously, this guy has something to teach us, right? If he can hold on to his joy in this situation, surely we can hold on to our joy when we're quarantined at home with air conditioning and plenty of food. Don't you think? I wanted you to have some background about what's going on with Paul. So he's in prison, but he's choosing to keep his joy. And in the midst of it all, he chooses to write a letter and he teaches us five things about prayer. So if you're taking notes, this is where you write them down. You have those message notes in your seat if you want to use them. Here's the first one. Prayer replaces worry. This one's probably going to resonate with all of us, right? At some point in the past couple of months, I bet you've worried about your health or you're worried about your family, or maybe you're still worried. Here's the truth about worry. If you worry about something and then it happens, you've worried twice. If you worry about something and it doesn't happen, you've worried in vain. I think we'd all agree that worry doesn't add anything to our lives, yet it keeps showing up. So how do we get, how do we get rid of it? 
Well, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And when I read this, I actually feel a little bit ashamed for all the times that I've worried. Maybe I'm not a strong enough Christian, or maybe I don't have enough faith. Anybody else? These are the kinds of things that come up in my head whenever I read this verse. But if God never expected us to deal with worry, I think the scripture would have said something more like, if you worry, you're in sin, knock it off. But this is more of an encouragement. Hey, I know you're worried, but you don't need to worry about anything. Let me make this practical for you. If you pray in the midst of worry, worry is going to disappear. And I believe that's what God is teaching us in this verse. He's giving us the way out of worry, which just so happens to be prayer. Well, what kind of prayer? A prayer that's focused on thankfulness. Thank him for everything that he's done. You can think back to all the good things that God's done for you. And you can even start with like breakfast. Like if you're having, where do I start? You know, thank God, thank you for the chickens, making the chickens that lay the eggs so that I can fry the perfect sunny side up egg. Those of you who know me are a little confused right now because you know I do not do eggs with runny yolks. You leave that thing in the oil until it's nice and firm. And that's how you eat a fried egg, friends. But if you start with thanking God for something as simple as breakfast, it'll lead you into some other things. Like you'll be thankful for your family. You'll find some things that you're thankful about for your job, even though you may not be thankful for everything. You may be thankful for your striking good looks, right? It might lead you to that. Just making sure y'all are still awake. All the guys are nodding. All the women are like, I don't know. It's funny because I actually heard a joke that you never need to tell a guy he's good looking because he already thinks he is. It doesn't matter what he looks like. He thinks he's good looking, right? But the next time you're worried, just pray a prayer of thankfulness and watch the worry disappear. And just keep on praying until it's completely gone. And prayer doesn't just take away the worry. It actually gives you something in return. Here's the second thing. Prayer creates peace. You know, if the worry disappeared but nothing took its place, worry would find its way just right back into your life. But God fills that space with peace so that there's no more room for worry. You see, Philippians 4, 7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So do you see it? Like when we pray, worry fades away and peace takes its place. And peace actually stands in your mind as a guard. Just kind of picture like a guard outside of a castle. Stands right there in your mind, kicking out all those things that would cause you to worry again. I know it sounds too good to be true, right? But try it next time you're worried. You're going to find out that it works. And you know what? This is free to try. You ain't got nothing to lose. So just give it a shot and see how it goes. And here's the next one. Prayer redirects our thoughts. Have you ever been stuck in like a pattern of wrong thinking, negative thinking? Usually happens when you're tired. Just goes and goes and goes. Like you start thinking about all the COVID-19 stats and you just go off a cliff and you just keep thinking and reading news stories and like it just never stops. Or how about those times where you've messed up and all you can think about is like, what's going to happen because of your failure? Who's going to be mad at me? Am I going to lose my job? And like, you just keep playing these things in your mind. And sometimes we just need something to help redirect our thoughts and slap them back into submission. Prayer does that for you. And let me show you. This is a continuation of the scripture that we've been reading in Philippians 4, 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think Brooke said something very similar to that this morning when she was praying at the end of worship. But where do you do this kind of thinking? In prayer. One of the most common misconceptions about prayer is that we think we have to talk the whole time. 
Talk and talk and talk. And some people don't even try to pray because they know they're going to run out of things to say after about 10 seconds. Me? This is the most words I use the whole week is when I get up here and preach. I'm a pretty quiet guy. But all my talkers listening right now don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You just get in prayer and you just go and go and go and probably your spouse has to come stop you. All right, that's enough praying. You could just go all day. But what we need to know is that spending time focusing our thoughts on what's good is a form of prayer. Just thinking good things. And this is something I do almost every morning before I get out of bed. I lay there and I think of all the good things that are around me. Ah, God, thank you for this bed that I don't want to get out of. It's just so good. You've blessed me so much. Thank you for Beth. And, And you just start your day by thinking those positive thoughts and it really sets you off on a good start. But please hear me on this. Prayer is not just sitting in a quiet room and talking to God with the perfect grammar and the perfect phrasing. That's not what prayer is. Yes, you can sit in the quiet and have talk to God like that's a good thing to do. But prayer is any time that you fix your thoughts on God, whether you're talking or not. And I love this quote by C.S. Lewis regarding the benefits of fixing our thoughts on God. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. So fix your thoughts on heaven, the good things, and everything here on earth is going to go a lot better for you. Fix your thoughts on what's going on here on the earth, the pandemic, everything, everybody losing their job, and your life's going to suck is what's going to happen. Am I allowed to use that word in church? I don't know. Millennial language. Sorry, guys. All right, here's the next one. Prayer reveals contentment. When you start praying, you have all kinds of needs. Like that may be why you started to pray, because you had something that you needed. And that's okay. God's good with that. He, he can listen to your needs. But most of us, like we, we get all the needs out, and then we just walk away from prayer thinking that it's over. But if you just hang out for a minute, you're actually going to find out that all your needs are already met. Like if you just let God minister to you in that prayer. Let's look at how Paul explains it in Philippians 4.12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. So Paul found out that it really didn't matter how rich he was or how much food he had or how big his house was or what kind of car he drove. He could have been driving a new Tesla or he could have been driving an old Toyota. He didn't care. He was content either way. And doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you like to be content with life regardless of what you have, what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, how much money you're making? And prayer is where you find that contentment because prayer is what leads you into the last thing that I'm going to show you about prayer. And that's prayer relies on God. That's how you get to a place of contentment. It's not that you don't have needs. It's not that everything's perfect. It's just you've stopped trying to do it on your own and you're relying on God. Just like Paul said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do this on my own, but I can do it through Christ. When I let God's mighty power work in me, he's going to accomplish infinitely more than I could even think of. Try to do this by yourself, and you're going to make it a little ways, and then you're going to crash and burn. So get yourself out of the way and allow God to work through you, and you're going to go way further than you ever could have imagined. Even your wildest dreams, like God can far surpass that. And here's how Paul ends this chapter. Love this. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And you've probably heard this scripture before, but my hope is that today you see it in a new light. When we pray, it leads us to a place where our needs are met, not because of our own striving and our own hustle, but simply because we receive the gifts that God has given to us. And this happens through prayer for one reason. Prayer doesn't move God closer to us. It moves us closer to God. God's already close, y'all. He just needs you to move close to him. 
So to end today, let me give you two practical ways that you can incorporate prayer into your life. And the first one is pray first. You'll be tempted to worry first. You'll be tempted to talk to someone else first. You'll be tempted to just let it play out and see how it goes. Instead, let your first response be to pray first. Even if it's just a three-word prayer, God, help me. Pray first. And the second one is pray continually. You don't have to wait till the house is quiet or until you're all alone or anything like that. Pray every chance that you get at work. Just take a moment to think of the good things that God's doing in your life. Go for a quick walk and release your anxieties to God. Pray while your kids are screaming at you. You need to pray then. Pray hard, yeah. Anytime you think of it throughout the day, pray. doesn't have to be perfect. You don't even have to close your eyes. Simply acknowledge God, and that's it. It's not complicated. It doesn't have to look like someone else's prayer life. You don't have to pray for two hours at a, at a time like Talon does. <laughs> or like Carrie does. <laughs> it's simple, y'all. Simply acknowledge God. Every chance that you get, that's what your prayer life should look like. Quit overcomplicating it. Man. So speaking of prayer, let's pray before we leave today. And how I want you guys to join me is just fix your thoughts on God as I pray. I'm going to pray for our country, our nation, everything that's going on because of the crisis. We're going to see God move. So God, we come to you this morning grateful for your goodness. You've always been with us. Lord, we know that you did not bring this pandemic, but that you're going to use it to bring good things into our life. Because you can take anything that the enemy meant for evil, and you can turn it for our good. I've seen you do it so many times in my life and others' lives, and I'm excited to see how you're going to do it this time. So God, we want to take a moment right here to fix our thoughts on you and just say that we trust you. We love you. You're King of kings, Lord of lords, you're above it all. So we lift you high above all our anxieties, all our worries. For those of you who have lost jobs or changed jobs or something like has happened to your finances because of this crisis, release that to God right now. Cast your cares on him and just thank him for all he's done. And thank him for what he's going to do. He's going to lead you into a better job than you had before. And God, we want to pray for our nation this morning that you would that you would move in our nation. God, you, you created this nation to be your light, your light to the world. We've deviated. And Lord, right now we repent. Even as the church, Lord, we repent because we've sat on the sidelines as our nation got derailed into the things of the enemy. And we're the ones that should have been standing up and sharing the truth and leading people into the truth. And we sat quietly. So Lord, we repent, we turn from that, and we ask you to empower us and, and lead us as we take our place, not just in the church, but in the world, to be the lights that you've called it, to be the salt of the earth, to be the ones leading the economy, leading the businesses, leading the schools, leading the government. Lord, we need Christians, Bible-believing Christians in those positions, and I know that you're raising them up, so I ask for favor as you lead them into their place right now in this time in history. I thank you for the great awakening that's happening in our country, that we're going to return to the roots, and we're going to, we're going to see our country return to the, the truth found in the Bible. And we're going to be a light to the nations. Lord, you're not through with America yet. I know it. 
You're, you're waking us up. You're shaking us and saying, it's time, America. Get up. Take your place. Be bold. Be strong. Go do what I've called you to do. I'm with you. And God, we pray for our president. We thank you for President Trump and everything that you're doing through him. Lord, I ask that you give him supernatural rest. I can only imagine how tired he is right now. And I ask that you pour upon him wisdom from on high. Godly wisdom just poured on him. I know that he probably doesn't act the way that he should. And he's probably done some things that he shouldn't have done, just like the rest of us. But that doesn't mean you can't use him. God, you are an expert at using imperfect people. So we ask you to use President Trump to get this nation back in line with your plan. And Lord, we thank you for our local government, our governor. Lord, I'm grateful to live in Oklahoma because there's some crazy stuff happening in other states and we get to be here where things are not so crazy. It's not that we agree with everything that he's doing, but God, we're thankful for Governor Stitt. We ask you to pour wisdom upon him as he leads the state of Oklahoma. And I know it's not just the point leaders that make all this happen, so I lift up to you all Congress, all the Senate, all our local governments. These people are serving us and they're doing their best. I know that they are. And I thank you for leading them and giving them exactly what they need. Lord, I thank you for our health officials too, those who are working in hospitals, our nurses, our doctors. As they battle this uh, pandemic, that you give them wisdom and that you help them not to see it for more than it is but that you simplify it for them and that you give them answers on how to battle this. And, you know, for all the people that are suffering with the sickness, God, that, that you give the doctors wisdom on what medication to use and, and all that kind of stuff. Because I know that you use natural ways of healing just like you use supernatural ways of healing. So we thank you for the natural and the supernatural. And we thank you for our business leaders. A lot of them are struggling right now because business has changed so much, but I ask that you restore them back to a better place than they were before. I pray for every small business here in our community that they wouldn't have to give up, but that they could rise to the occasion and see their business become more profitable and they, they could serve more people. And Lord, just put it, I ask your peace upon every business owner, every business leader. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're listening online right now or you're here in this room and there's something on the inside of you that's stirring, you're excited, and you're ready to receive what God has for you today. Well, the first gift that he has for every believer is salvation through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, you couldn't have a relationship with God because of everything that you've done. But Jesus died on the cross and he rose back to life so that your old life could die and you could be raised to new life with him. So just believe in Jesus right now and your relationship with God is just instantly restored. It's so good. Jesus paid the price for everything you've done wrong, everything you will do wrong in the future, and all you gotta do is believe it. You can't do anything, you can't do enough right things to earn a relationship with God. This only happens through Jesus. So I wanna help you put your faith into words by leading you in a prayer. So wherever you are right now, go ahead and repeat this after me. Jesus, thank you. I've been trying to do this on my own. It wasn't working. I messed up a lot, but I believe you made it right. You paid for my sin on the cross. You gave me new life when you rose again. 
I want you to lead my life. I believe in you, Jesus. Amen. Best decision you could ever make. So Lord, we thank you for everybody who made that decision today, that you would lead them into the next step for them. I know that you will. I ask that you surround them with other believers who are going to encourage them and help them along the way. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to support you along the journey that's ahead, but we can't support you if we don't know. So we've just set up an easy way for you to tell us. Simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We're not going to bug you. We're not going to spam you. We're just going to help guide you along your next steps. We want to be here for you. So go ahead and send that text. Now, before we leave today, I actually have something really exciting to show you guys. You guys can go ahead and switch this projector to that feed there. But because of your incredible generosity, we were able to send an extra $2,000 to Mexico this month to help them with their needs that have come up because of this pandemic. Yeah, go ahead and clap for God. Yeah. Now, y'all, this is on top of our normal $1,000 monthly support. So I asked our Mexico team leaders, John and Shalina, to hop on Zoom with, with the, the leaders in Mexico and just give them the news. And I wanted to show that to you, their reaction. So go ahead and take a look at the screen. Okay. Um, Diana, he, he has something he wants to say. He wants uh, all of you to hear. Alasa, Shalom, and Emias are also, also here present. Ah, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, go ahead. I'm literally starting to cry out. I'm like, I'm tearing up so much. Um, Kate, Kate hollered at me earlier um, about an hour and a half ago and told me um, that somebody donated $2,000 to Mexico. <laughs> So, oh, that's such a blessing. Yeah, and so he, he's, he's going to be sending that to you guys um, on top of our normal monthly giving. Okay. So that you can take that with you to go do whatever. Oh, wow. So that's this is uh, uh, Brother John and, and, and New, No Limits, everybody. Let me say this. Uh, one of the people that uh, another person that reached out to me uh, about it was a man from uh, Buena Vista. No limits has been there. That's that's where church. That's where you help put on the baseball camp. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, oh yeah. And so um, there's just a lot of people, a lot of a lot of need, a lot of uh, poverty in that specific town, and everyone's out of work. Um, pretty much everyone's out of work. There's obviously no, there's no pay, no nothing, uh, no unemployment. Like what is that? And so somebody specifically from there told me that the people of Buena Vista came to him. His name is actually Tonio as well, like our other Tonio. Yeah. Cool guy named Tonio. Anyway, he, um, he said that people came to him and asked me, uh, said, asked him to ask me if there's any way that could, we could get one of these dispensas together, these, you know, distribution bags. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, what I thought was really cool about it, No Limits and John, everyone that's listening, um, that means I am pumped up woo, because that yeah. means that we cannot ju- not just uh, help out our, our faithful families of, of uh, you know, approximately uh, 50, 60 people from the church in Jerez and then Palmira and Los Cardos, uh, uh, faithful folks. Um, we can also line up the families in Buena Vista. Yeah. 
Yes, rock on, folks. Yeah. You guys are going to see those pictures and then put smiles on people's faces right now. Isn't that awesome? It's so good. Well, you guys go ahead and switch that back to my computer because I got one more thing to show them up here. What's really astounding about this is actually we decided to spend to send this two thousand dollars to Mexico before Ben sent me an email with the statement that you see on the screen. He said, "I really would like to dream big with this and bless two hundred families, which would mean we need to raise two thousand dollars." That's so cool. God provided through the generosity of No Limits for a need that hadn't even been spoken of yet. Everyone who gives to No Limits is a part of this. You're going to be a part of feeding these 200 families in Mexico. And that's really awesome. So thank you guys for your generosity. And if you're ready to give today or you want to give later throughout the week, here's how you do it. You visit nolimits.fyi on your phone, your tablet, your computer. Um, that's it. It's that simple. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.